Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to another episode of the Steelers Fix. I'm Jeremy Betts and joined, as always, by Andrew Wilbar. We've got some news for you, and then we're going to jump into some sleepers for your fantasy rosters before doing a Q&A session uh, from Twitter uh, on in the second half of the show. Andrew, bring you in here. How are you doing tonight? I'm a little tired, but I'm doing well. It's my summer schedule keeps getting busier and busier, busier than what I had originally anticipated, but it is going well. Um, just not quite getting as much sleep as I thought, but hey, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, it never turns out that way, does it? And then you got uh, you're probably heading back to college soon, right? 20th of August. Yeah, man, it's coming up quick. Man, time flies, and you know, they people tell you that all the time, right? Time flies, time flies, and you're like, yeah, whatever. And then you see it happening, and then you're like, okay, yeah, time flies. I'll tell them. College is when you too. first realize it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Wait till you have a kid and, and all that good stuff, too, man. Yeah. It's uh next level stuff. So, but anyway, we're not here to talk about time or anything like that. Let's talk some Pittsburgh Steelers football. Uh, first off, we got a couple of transactions that took place uh, on Monday uh, when this is being recorded. So Monday morning, we got the news that the Steelers have uh, signed a wide receiver, um, Javon McKinley, and he was a undrafted free agent signing by the uh, Detroit Lions, not immediately following the draft, so not a priority free agent um, by any means. He was actually signed after the the conclusion of the 2021 season for the Lions. Um, I think we have to kind of look at this from a, a Steelers team perspective, why they would add another receiver. And uh, like personally, I, I, I can see it because maybe this Chase Claypool injury is a little more intense, a little more severe than we think it is, or, you know, maybe they're expecting him to miss some time. They're not trying to rush him back. So they wanted to get a body in to uh, take some of those reps. Uh, How do you see this? Do you see this as, Ooh, this might be serious for Claypool or is it just, Hey, let's, let's fill in with a body here while we uh, wait it out. I'm not going to freak out just yet. I, I mean, McKinley, he seems like he's probably one of those guys that the Steelers were secretly high on and they just didn't pull the trigger on. They had opportunities to even after the draft and they just never pulled the trigger. Um, definitely a guy who I, he seemed to make a decent impression with the Lions last preseason. Um, he showed some flashes. He has some athleticism. Uh, I think the biggest takeaway from this is seeing what Anthony Miller has been able to do now that he is starting to get more reps and practice with Claypool out. Obviously he doesn't play the same role as Claypool does, but the spotlight has now been on him. Everyone's talking about George Pickens, but Anthony Miller has had quite the training camp so far. And the fact that Mr. Trubisky is likely the starting quarterback only bodes well for him. Yeah, absolutely. I think when you look at the body type of Javon McKinley, 6'2", 215 pounds, that sounds to me like, Hey, let's get a body in here similar to, um, Claypool. And I mean, Claypool's a monster. So you're not going to find a guy walking on the street, six, four, two thirty, you know, but, uh, uh McKinley might've been the next best thing from a body type perspective. So maybe they're just bringing in a guy that fits kind of that same bill. Maybe that same role can kind of fill in on the third team a little bit, but, um, meanwhile, Claypool out. And I know we need a big season out of chase Claypool, but yeah, like you're talking about allowing some of these other guys to, earn some reps and, and show that they 
potentially belong in larger roles than we have anticipated so far. I think uh, we're going to have a show um, at some point. We need to talk about these rookies on the roster more in depth um, and how their uh, fantasy value or even just their value to the Steelers looks. Um, We will get into that another time, but another big announcement today, Chris Boswell, the wizard of Boz bringing in the bag, a four year extension uh, tacking on another $20 million. That's going to bring him up to about $5 million per year. Uh, in an annual salary, and that ties him with Justin Tucker, the Baltimore Ravens all-world kicker, as the highest-paid kicker ever, not just in the NFL this season, but ever. What do you think of the Chris Boswell extension? I, You know, you got to do it, right? He's one of the best in the league. How do you feel? I like it. I think that, you know, kickers, it's important to have one, and the Steelers realized that the hard way back about seven years ago when we went through about four kickers in two weeks, it was at <laughs> yes. Garrett Hartley at Josh Scobie. It was, I mean, it was just bad. And, you know, the Steelers took Sean Sweezum for granted for quite a while. And he was a very good kicker. And Chris Boswell um, is just as good, if not better than what Sweezum was. Um, and Sweezum I felt was the most underrated kicker in football. He was very good for what the Steelers needed at that time. Uh, the only downside with Boswell is that he doesn't always necessarily kick it quite as far as I'd like on the kickoffs. I'd like him to sometimes get a little bit more oomph on it, make re- some kicks a little bit harder to return. But nonetheless, I, I think that uh, it's a good move for the Steelers, a move that I think had to be made at some point. Yes, absolutely. And um, not to uh... – be Johnny Raincloud or anything, but uh, the last time the Steelers handed Chris Boswell an extension, the following year was Ooh, not don't not great. So don't, don't I hope I don't right. I hope I don't jinx it here, but no, I think Boswell's over those 2018 yips that he had. Um, how many times, Andrew, has Chris Boswell bailed the Steelers out when the offense could literally do nothing anywhere close to scoring position, and Boswell comes on to the field and he's knocking in that 30 that 40, that 50 plus yard field goal attempt. And you just know the points are going in. He's one of those kickers where when it misses, you actually like stand up and go, what? You know? So you got to lock up a guy like that. I think the Steelers do not have the success in like even making the playoffs or winning some of these close games that they have done without the leg of Chris Boswell. So definitely worth the money. And then the last bit of news that we will talk about uh, just real briefly before we get into our sleeper picks for the running backs and tight ends in the 2022 fantasy football season. The Deshaun Watson punishment was handed out on Monday morning, six game suspension, according to the independent uh, investigation done by Sue L. Robinson, former judge. And uh, so she decided on six games. There's some, there's some, talking points in there that we're not necessarily going to get into here, but just wanted to state, obviously we're aware of it. We see how it's going and we'll talk about how it affects the Steelers real quick. Uh, but the NFL can appeal for a longer suspension. And then they obviously have their, the advantage going their way if they choose to do so as Roger Goodell is the final say on any appeal hearings in the NFL. Uh, so you know, it could turn out to be an ugly situation that continues, or maybe this finalizes it all. We will see in the coming days. The NFL has three days from the uh, issuance of the suspension of the decision to appeal, and we'll see what happens. But if the six-game suspension holds up, that means 
Deshaun Watson comes back in time for their first game against Baltimore and he'll be there for all of their Baltimore games, all of their Cincinnati games. He will only miss one divisional game against Pittsburgh Steelers in week three. And so from a Steelers perspective, obviously this helps us out in the early portion of the season potentially. So what do you think about how this affects the Steelers going forward with the uncertainty of it as well? I think that it helps the Browns. I don't think it will affect the Steelers too much um, overall, but I think the fact that, you know, Jacoby Brissett, he's not a guy that I would expect to take the Browns to the playoffs, but can he win two or three of those six games? I think he could. Um, You know, I don't have the Browns first six games in front of me, um, but we've seen Jacoby Brissett play at a relatively high level before. I think, you know, if he can at least win two of those six games, I think the Browns have a chance to come back and be a playoff contender with Deshaun Watson. So um, again, another scary team, and it only makes the AFC that much more stacked. Absolutely. The Browns' first six games are in Carolina. That's a potential win, even with Jacoby Brissett. I think you can you could say that against the Jets, another potential win there. And then the Steelers on Thursday night football, followed by the Atlanta Falcons, the L.A. Chargers, and then the New England Patriots. That would be the opening six. I could see them going three and three, two and four, <laughs> one and four. You know, you never know. They could even go four and two if they uh, get good play out of their defense in their running game. See, I like the Steelers regardless on Thursday night football. We just tend to do well in the short week. So even if Deshaun Watson playing, because I'm sure there's some people out there saying, you know, well, you just said that, you know, there, you know, there doesn't affect the Steelers. Well, I really think just the way that the Steelers schedule lines up, I think I'm confident about the Steelers' chances against the Browns on Thursday night football. Um, it just seems like the right type of game. The last time the Steelers played the Browns on Thursday night football. Uh, Miles Helmet instant. So um, I think the Steelers are ready to come back, get some revenge, regardless of who's playing quarterback. And I think the Steelers yes. have the big advantage in that game, regardless of who's playing quarterback, Jacoby Brissett, who will be, or Deshaun Watson, who will not be. I think you got to also look at Mike Tomlin's defenses over the years um, have done very well against mobile quarterbacks. And uh, you can point to Lamar Jackson and his struggles against the Steelers. T.J. Watt really owns these types of uh, of quarterbacks. When they try to get to the edge, they just can't figure out how to how to fake him out or get around him. And then he brings that pressure. Cam Hayward pushing the middle of that pocket. Alex Highsmith on the other side. And it used to be Bud Dupree who would take advantage of that. But you've seen success against Kyler Murray. You've seen success against Deshaun Watson in the past himself. I don't think the Steelers have too much to worry about as far as if they play their game, they can win in any of these matchups. So I agree with you there. All righty, man, let's jump into these sleepers. I know you're excited about this. I'm excited about this. I love talking to these guys that are kind of on the edge of either irrelevance or, Hey, I don't know if they're going to be very good this year, but let's talk up some of these guys that have a chance to be special players potentially for your roster. They're sleeping in the rankings and we shouldn't be sleeping on these guys. Andrew, let's start out with the running back position. I want you to tell me who you got for your first sleeper at running back for the 2022 fantasy football season. I try to avoid rookies some, but I couldn't help myself here. I had, I have a couple here and first one's going to be Rashad white. And I mean, everyone's heard about Leonard Fournette's health and at 260 pounds doesn't sound like the coaching staff's very happy. I haven't heard any updates and I know a lot of people are like, you know, well, Tom Brady's not going to want to use a rookie running back and all blah, 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 blah. 
if Rashad White gets an opportunity, I don't know if he's going to look back. He has fresher legs than Fournette. He doesn't have the injury concerns that Fournette has. And now it sounds like he's in a lot better shape than Leonard Fournette is. So I think Rashad White is a guy. I mean, his ADP is like 125 right now. I think he's 126, the average, according to Fantasy Pros, at least the last time that I looked. So uh, I think that when you look at Rashad White, it's very low risk. And you're looking at a potential RB2. Maybe with the Bucks offensive line, you're talking a top 15 fantasy running back. If he gets the full workload, if Fournette becomes totally irrelevant because he can't keep his way under control, they have to do something with his contract. I mean, they just gave Leonard Fournette a contract. What do you do right now? I mean, is this an Eddie Lacy situation where he just pretty much, boom, all of a sudden he's nothing? You know, I don't know. Maybe that's being a little bit too hasty. But I like uh, Rashad White just because of the potential that he has for increased volume because there's really nobody else there that's going to take early down work outside of Leonard Fournette. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, I like Rashad White too. Reports out of camp for Fournette is he's looking better and that he's getting he's getting uh, his legs underneath him and he's able to work out some of those uh, issues uh, as far as weight goes that he had had problems with this offseason. So we'll see how it goes. But uh, yeah, man, I think Rashad White could, could definitely carve out even – uh, a Tony Pollard like role in this offense, even if he doesn't get the majority of snaps and that can be valuable in certain weeks. So we'll definitely keep our eye on Rashad white. I'm going to go with another rookie and I'm going to talk about Tyler Algier in Atlanta. And we've been seeing reports now that this kid has a chance at the starting job, starting gig early. And so the, the Atlanta Falcons, they've got, they don't have Mike Davis anymore. He's he's out. He's uh he's in Baltimore now, I believe. Mike Davis is in Baltimore. I know I was high on him last year as a sleeper. He would have been in this segment for me last year. They've got Cordero Patterson uh, in the backfield, and then uh, Tyler Algier kind of fits in as the as a guy that could see early down work and uh, be a guy that they kind of uh, rely on to carry the load on first and second down uh, while allowing. Um, uh, Patterson to maintain that uh, Swiss army knife roll out of the backfield, pass catching roll out of the backfield. I'm not sure if there are any other names there that actually give me pause on Tyler Algier. He's, he seems to be very well established. If he can prove himself in training camp in the preseason to be uh, the style runner that we saw in college, uh, just a guy that gets up the field and uh, good vision back. um, Then I think he's got a shot to be a, a good piece in this offense and thusly a good piece potentially on your fantasy team. Uh, you're going to draft him potentially for your bench in late and late in drafts. If you, if you're in a 10 to 12 team league typically, but I think he could be a guy that pays dividends in the long run in Atlanta. Yeah, I agree. I like Algier this year. Um, really. He, there's some similarities to the situation he's in with the next guy on my list, which is Damian Pierce. Yeah. They're both in offenses that want to run the football but they're also both in offenses that are going to be playing from behind a lot. So you just, it's just kind of weighing that risk. And with Damian Pierce, really the only guy he's competing with right now is Marlon Mack. Um, at, yeah, there, there, there's just not a whole lot that he has to worry about in terms of volume being taken away to other areas. It's just how much volume will he have if they're behind in games? I mean, Nico Collins is looking really good from uh, reports in training camp. 
Um, you still have Brandon Cooks there. And we know that John Mechie is going to be missing this season. Obviously, mm-hmm. we hope that he uh, uh, recovers and gets the care that he needs. Yes. Uh, but still, it, I just – I really – I really like Damian Pierce Mm -hmm. and I think that he's got an opportunity if he can develop some sort of pass catching work, just like Algier, if he can take some of that pass catching work away. I mean, Cordero Patterson is probably gonna take an injury with Algier with Damian Pierce. It doesn't even take an injury. He just got to prove that he has it in. Right. And that's not something we saw a lot of in, in college for him. Uh, Definitely a one cut, a North and South runner, but he was good at it at Florida and uh, the Texans aren't going to mess around. I don't think in their backfield as far as, Oh, go ahead. Oh, you know, one running back that he kind of reminds me of on a very lower scale, but just for a Steelers comparison is Niall Davis. The Steelers had Niall Davis for a short time, had some power. He had some tools. He never really put it all together. I think Mm -hmm. Pierce has a little bit better vision than Davis did. When you're talking about one cut runners, it just clicked to me. Very similar style. Pierce is showing some ability on special teams as well. Niall Davis had some of that ability. That was some of the appeal that the Steelers had when they brought him in from previously being in Kansas city. Um, Pierce is a guy that, you know, not the most flashy guy, but a guy, if he can find the hole, he's going to hit it with some power. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, these offensive line situations, obviously for these teams are not necessarily great, but I think you're going to find that they will be adequate enough to provide you weeks where uh, these guys are going to score points. And if Damian Pierce can latch onto a role there, I like him as well. I'm going to go with a second year back in new England. And that's Ramondre Stevenson had kind of a semi breakout year last year, if you will, in the absence of Damian Harris, when he missed time, Ramondre Stevenson was really good. And even some weeks when Harris was healthy and playing, Stevenson was the hot hand. And as we all know, new or Bill Belichick running back rooms are hard to deal with in fantasy. You often want to stay away from those as much as possible, but Ramondre Stevenson might make that impossible. If he can uh, build on last year, talk about a powerful guy, but he's got surprising speed as well. When he gets to the edge, when he gets to the second level. Um, And I think that he can, he can provide some sort of pass catching uh, role in this offense too. Uh, James White, I believe is injured right now and uh, he's going to potentially miss uh, the beginning of the season. Um, so Mondre Stevens Stevenson's going to have to step up into a, a different role, even than last year, providing some third down uh, relief for Pierre strong. Is Harris. Pierre oh strong yeah. Pierre strong's there too. That's, that's true. So a guy to keep an eye on there as well, but uh, Ramondre Stevenson, I really like the way he runs. I think the Patriots want to run the football as well with Mac Jones and company there and their limited receiving talent on the outside. So Ramondre Stevenson uh, is a fun uh, sleeper for me as well. Who you got at number three, <coughs> excuse me, for your uh, running back sleepers? I've got Ronald Jones and, you know, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I, I would, he is the one guy I would definitely avoid in your fantasy drafts. I took him at, as a rookie, I'm disappointed that I did. Um, I was I didn't like the pick at first. Like a lot of people were praising that pick. I did not like Clyde Edwards Hilaire when he came out. He was my sixth rated running back. Um, I I I need to go back and see which running backs I had ahead of him. Probably not all of them have been any better than CEH, but I just did not like him coming out. I thought he was a reach when Kansas State took him at 32 overall. I was one of the few that really did not like the pick, and I still don't like it. He's just he can't find his niche. He just he's he's not explosive enough for a small back. 
everyone wanted to compare him to Darren Sproles coming out. He doesn't have the burst of a Darren Sproles. He's a four, six guy. And he just doesn't have the body type um, to match, you know, you know, that type of athleticism. When you look at Ronald Jones, I know it's only a $1.5 million deal for one year, but reports in camp are that he's in shape. He looks good. He looks fresh. And last year, Daryl Williams had 144 carries. Daryl Williams is not there. Mm-hmm. So if Ronald Jones, even if he doesn't take more volume away, I mean, it's near probably going to be at least near a 50-50 split in terms of carries. CH will obviously get more pass catching work. Mm-hmm. But if he were to go down, Ronald Jones, I know he's not the greatest pass catcher, but I, he's proven enough that he can do it. And I, I think that Ronald Jones has a chance to be a really good RB3 He'll start as an RB4, but if he get in, create a little bit more of a role as the year goes on, he's a guy you're going to be looking at in your flex options a lot of weeks, especially once the bye weeks start coming around. And the Chiefs do hand the ball off. You know, mm-hmm. they do give their running backs uh, touches, and it's part of what has been successful for them over the years because they teams have to um, fear and appreciate the passing game prowess there that they don't stack boxes, and these running backs get – gets um get a lot of advantage in the blocking schemes because uh they've got more guys blocking than the defense does in the box typically so i would say ronald jones is a definite sleeper he almost made my list as well so a guy i was looking at let's transition into the tight ends i think uh did you have any well before we do that do you did you have any other running backs that kind of caught your eye in the back end that you think could have some uh potential for sleeper status in 2022 no kenneth walker and chase edmonds were both guys i would have considered if their adp was low enough but their adps are generally like in the 80s um and i've just kind of been trying to keep the guys under 100 so i i chose not to use them but those are Mm -hmm. both guys just based on the money that miami's paying edmonds it seems to mean that he's gonna be the main guy there and then uh you have uh kenneth walker with chris carson retiring rashad penny gets injured you know, he's the guy and he could be a potential top 20 running back. So absolutely guys to consider uh, before we go to tight ends, I did have uh, one other running back, uh, Kenneth Gainwell in uh, Philadelphia. He's been getting some run with the ones in training camp. We saw a report about that on Monday and uh, the pushback on that was from head coach, Nick Sirianni. He did say that Miles Sanders is the uh, RB one there for now, but, I think Sanders probably on a short leash. And if Gainwell uh, proves to be um, a spark plug for that offense, especially in the passing game where he could be very um, explosive and uh, very pertinent in this offense, he could be a guy that um, has a role as the third down back early and then could develop into something bigger if he can prove to be a better, uh, more efficient back than Miles Sanders. Just somebody to keep an eye on there. Let's do transition to the tight ends. And uh, Andrew, you and I had a guy that we really liked together. Um, you talk uh, about the Bears tight end for us here as a sleeper in 2022. Yeah, I love me some Cole Command. I'm not going to talk too much about him because I've already said my piece on him before, but he's he had zero touchdowns last year. He had 60 receptions for 612 yards, and that was in an offense that had more weapons. Allen Robinson is no longer there. Right Now um, you have – Darnell Mooney on the outside and then a bunch of, I mean, you have Byron Pringle, Equinemius St. Brown. Um, they added, they recently added, um, we talked about him the other week, but they recently Nikhil added Harry, Nikhil yeah. Harry yep. and they have Bayless Jones Jr. None of those guys are going to garner that many targets. Right. All of them combined, I don't think are going to even see 
what Allen Robinson saw in a down year, really. I think you're looking at Cole Komet, who's going to get an even bigger workload. You're looking at a guy who should be getting at least 75 receptions this year. And all he needs to become, you know, a starting caliber tight end is add four touchdowns to that, which I think is more than feasible. So, you know, I think I really like Cole Komet just because the fact that he had zero touchdowns, all he needs to do is become more prevalent in the red zone. He was a red zone monster at Notre Dame. We know that he can make plays in the red zone. It was just, that wasn't how it worked out last year, but Justin Fields now he has no choice. He's the only big option that he has um, outside of, you know, a St. Brown and Harry who have some size, but very unproven. Komet's proven that he can catch the ball over the middle of the field and he can make plays with the ball in his hands. So I think Cole Komet is a guy that you should be targeting in the late rounds of just about every fantasy league, because I think he's a guy who could finish as a top 10 to 12 tight end very easily. Yeah, absolutely. Very easily. I've got him on my radar in mock drafts that I do way too many of. He has been a regular appearance in my uh, final rosters. Um, I went with a Pittsburgh Steeler, and it's Pat Fryermuth, and he kind of barely fits the criteria here. I don't even know if you could necessarily call him a sleeper, so I'm, I'm feeling a little like, man, did I cheat the system here a little bit. But uh, Fryermuth, to me, has a chance to be a top two or three option in this passing game in 2022 and that's that comes back to me for the quarterbacks who not as experienced in the offense obviously they're learn they're going to be a learning curve young quarterbacks like Kenny Pickett if he gets a lot of starting time this year they like tight ends because it's a big body target it's a guy with sure hands and Pat Fryermuth could be uh, an incredible player and he's being drafted really late in in uh, fantasy mock drafts that I've been doing after guys like um, Evan Ingram and uh, some, you know, some of these other tight ends that we don't even have a, a good gauge on yet. So uh, Pat Fryermuth to me is a guy that he he could absolutely be um, a game changer for your fantasy football team. If you're not going to spend big tight end uh, money, if you will, uh, in fantasy this year, uh, Fryermuth in rounds eight, nine, ten, somewhere in that range, you could do a lot worse. Uh, for your tight end position. Um, And then I do have Evan Ingram on here. I mentioned him. Uh, He's a guy in Jacksonville that I think could really have a breakout season. Trevor Lawrence is going to be better this year. That offense is going to be better. Doug Peterson, for all the things that, you know, messed up whatever was going on in, in Philadelphia after the Super Bowl run for them. If there's one thing Peterson knows how to do, it's how to run an offense. It's how to get quarterbacks in position to succeed. And I think a lot of that will have to do with the ultra athletic Ingram who hasn't never really fulfilled the expectations of a former first round tight end. And uh, I think he could do that this year. The Jaguars have a lot of targets, but they don't have a lot of quality targets, more of quantity over quality, if you will, uh, for this team right now. So I like Evan Ingram this year to have a bounce back season. He's a sleeper for me as well. Who you got next, Andrew? I went with Irv Smith here. I'm going to stay inside that NFC North. Hmm. Tyler Conklin had 87 targets last year, and that was in a role that was designed for Irv Smith. And, uh, you know, the fantasy headliners have mentioned some about him. So if you go and check them out, they've talked some about Irv Smith and mentioned the same thing. You know, if Tyler Conklin was targeted 87 times in that role, I mean, we've got to be looking at the chance of Irv Smith reaching 100 targets this upcoming year. Adam Thielen is not the receiver he once was. He is trending downward. I think we're all aware of that. 
And then you have Justin Jefferson, who is obviously going to be the target monster, but there has to be somebody else. If Irv Smith can stay healthy, I think you're looking at a guy who has top five tight end potential, but a guy whose floor just based on up, but just based on targets, he's going to get the volume he's going to get. I think you're looking at top eight to 12 tight end. Probably you're looking at him in the same range of Cole Komet. I think Cole Komet's upside is higher just because of the fact that he had zero touchdowns last year. And there's so much room for improvement that I think he can make. Um, Whereas we've seen what Irv Smith can do, but I, you know, if he can get up to a hundred targets, I think he's a guy that you gotta you gotta stash on at the back end of your roster if you need a late round tight end. Yes, love Irv Smith as well. Uh, a guy that could could be a, a, another. We're talking tight ends as game changers, but it can be uh, the the case for your your team. You get that extra wide receiver two or <laughs> type of results and type of uh, scoring out of your tight end, and uh, these guys can kind of fit that bill. Excuse me, man. I don't know what's going on with me tonight, but you got an oft injured player next on your list, but he's got a new quarterback this year. And uh, the situation might be uh, prime for a bounce back campaign. Who you got? Well, unfortunately, the quarterback is also oft injured, but (laughs) I'm going to go with Logan Thomas. I, I mean, we all know Philly, Wentz. The tight Ertz. end connection yes, from Zach Ertz to Dallas Goddard. Carson Wentz likes using tight ends. He always has. He had tight ends. In, I mean, going back to pretty much his entire football playing career, he has loved throwing the ball to the tight end. And last year he targeted tight ends in Indianapolis 88 times. Those tight ends were Jack Doyle and Mo Alley Cox. Jack Doyle is Jack Doyle. And Mo Alley Cox, while a little bit more explosive than Doyle, is – Still Mo Alley Cox, a converted right. basketball player who's, you know, he's not always the most coordinated at times. Uh, I, I think, you know, with Logan Thomas, you don't have Ricky Seals-Jones there anymore, which is a huge help to him. The only downside is that the, you have a rookie receiver in Jahan Dotson. You still have Terry McLaurin. You have receivers on the outside, but still in the red zone, I think the biggest threat is going to be Logan Thomas. If he can come back fully healthy. And, you know, there were other guys like David Njoku is another guy I thought of. Daniel Bellinger, if he can become that starting tight end and take Evan Ingram's old role in New York, I think both those guys have a chance to be special. Um, but Logan Thomas is a guy I think just based on past trends with Carson Wentz, I feel like he's a pretty safe option. Yes, um, he's uh, athletically he's one of the specimens of the position, um, and so I think that if he can stay healthy, he's got a good shot to be really good this year. I have drafted him uh, for my fantasy teams two years in a row um, for several of my teams and been burned by it. So I might stay away from him this year, but I don't disagree with you that his his uh, ability to kind of bounce back potentially this year and be a really good tight end for your fantasy team is, is definitely viable. I've got one other guy here uh, that I want to talk about and he's a new Cincinnati Bengal uh, came over from Atlanta via Baltimore. And uh, it's Hayden Hurst, man. Hayden Hurst comes in to replace CJ Uzama. And I think Hayden Hurst actually brings more to the table for that offense than Uzama did the last couple of years, especially last year when he put together some big games. And uh, so Hayden Hurst probably is going to be more used uh, and more consistent in his usage, I think, than Uzama was last year. And, uh, you know, 
if there's one thing that the, the, the Bengals offense has lacked since the Tyler Eifert years, it's a true tight end one that can be a game changer for them. And I think that Hayden Hurst can kind of fit that bill. He's not the most athletic player. He's not the best tight end out there, but he's going to give you consistent quality reps. He's going to be on the field a lot because he's a good blocker as well. And so that gives him a lot of opportunities for um, block and release type routes uh, for underneath work. And he can also work the seams as well. And I think that's going to be big for Joe Burrow this year. I like Hayden Hurst as a good sleeper pick and his ADP is way down there uh, in the two hundreds. I believe if I remember correctly from my research this morning, Um, Hayden Hurst is a guy I really like going into the 2022 season real quick before we go to break, Andrew, you got anybody that you're keeping your eye on as well? Well, I mentioned uh, Daniel Bellinger and David Njoku. Um, Austin Hooper is another guy who could carve out a role um, in Tennessee. I know that um, they seem to really like him there. Um, And then you also have Ferkser, who was from Tennessee, who Arthur Smith worked with in Tennessee, who is now in Atlanta. And we know how Atlanta does not have that many weapons. And you have Marcus Mariota, formerly of Tennessee, who in the past, like the, the final years of Delaney Walker, um, he got the most out of Delaney Walker. So, you know, there's some upside there just based on uh, the past of Marcus Mariota as well. So, and even if Desmond Ritter takes over, he had a pretty good tight end mm-hmm. um, and Josh Weil at uh, Cincinnati as well. So. Absolutely. Some guys to keep an eye on. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to answer your questions from Twitter. Got a few to talk about here. When we come back, don't go anywhere. It's the Steelers fix. Welcome back to the second half of the Steelers Fix. As always, this episode and the Steelers Fix is brought to you by BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. We are busy right now because of training camp, bringing you all sorts of information, updates, news, uh, information, and you know predictions for the remainder of the offseason, the remainder of training camp. And it's a lot of fun keeping up with these guys and seeing the highlights and uh, reading reports from the insiders. So keep up with BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. You will not miss a thing if you are regularly checking out BTSC. Andrew, we had a Q&A that we put out on Twitter. We got a little bit of a response from some uh, people who follow the show and uh, even one of our cohorts here at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, one of the Aussies from the Touchdown Under. And uh, glad to have Matty Peverall uh, stepping in and asking us a question, too. We'll get to his in a minute. But first, Aiden Blaine, he asked a couple questions here. We'll get we'll talk about his first one. It's a good question. Uh, and he says, or he asks, who would you rather draft, Robert Woods or Allen Robinson, and what are each of their ceilings and floors? So it's Robert Woods versus Allen Robinson. Where are you going, Andrew? I'm going with Allen Robinson. I feel like there's a little, there could be more upside with Woods because of the volume. He's going to see more volume than Robinson. But Robinson, let's see, he's worked with Chad Henney, 
Blake Bortles, Andy Dalton, um, Nick Foles, Mitch Trubisky. Mitch Trubisky is probably the best quarterback that Allen Robinson has ever worked with, and not a good Mitch Trubisky either. That's a he had one fame list. Yeah, for, he had uh... one decent year of Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> yeah. So you know, and I, and don't get me wrong, you've you've, you've heard any of our uh, shows in the past, you know that we're both pretty high on Mitch Trubisky, but in terms of what he was with Allen Robinson, wasn't excellent. Matthew Stafford is by far the best receiver, the best quarterback that Allen Robinson has ever gotten to work with. And we know how 100%. much talent Robinson has. He may not see the volume that Woods has right off the bat, but man, if he can see some volume at some point during the year, I mean, he's going to be so efficient, I think, with the targets that he gets. Um, I'm excited to see what he's going to do. He's a good compliment to Cooper Cup. I think he was an upgrade from Robert Woods. Um, I think the reason he would go with Woods is because his role is going to be bigger in Tennessee, not because he's necessarily the better player uh, than Allen Robinson. Right. And I like Woods a lot this year. And I think where he's being drafted right now, he is a fantastic ad. Uh, his ADP is way down there. I think he made our sleepers list last week for uh, the wide receivers. So I love Robert Woods, but I'm going with Allen Robinson too. <clears throat> we talk about him as being – a part of the Rams offense. He's not going to be the number one there. Obviously Robert Woods has a chance to be the number one in Tennessee early on, but uh, Robinson is going to have the benefit of playing opposite Cooper cup. Cooper cup is going to take a lot of the defense's attention away uh, from Robinson. I think Robinson is the type of player who can feast on single coverage from the team's second or third cornerback so he's not gonna have to worry a lot about uh safeties rolling over uh robbers coming down and working underneath him uh i think matthew stafford is going to use him early and often he's going to be a vital piece of that offense and as such alan robinson to me is the better choice here and uh so i agree with you there andrew aiden asks another question and uh it's another wide receiver question so the wide receivers, it's where we have trouble sorting these guys because there's so many good ones. And then there's also like a middle tier that's just like, boom, so many guys uh, laying out there in front of you. So uh, these guys that he's talking about are kind of near the top of, of the list. But Aiden asks, how do you value Jalen Waddle with Tyreek Hill added to the mix in Miami? This is a tough question. I've struggled with this. What do you think? Right now I'm avoiding both Tyreek Hill and and Jalen Waddle, just because I don't know who's going to be really the top guy. You would think Tyreek Hill, the amount of money they're paying him, he's going to be their quote-unquote number one. You're not going to pay him $30 million bucks and then have him be otherwise. The only thing is, with Jalen Waddle emerging, you know, can they both eat in the offense? You know, We'll wait and see. I think the upside is high for both of them, but I feel like there's a lot of safer plays that you mm-hmm. can get at that point. Michael Pittman is one of them, a guy in that range that you could get. Um, if you wanted to look at other areas, maybe you could even look at quarterback. If quarterbacks are still on the board, maybe that's a spot. If Patrick Mahomes is there, I mean, you're talking, okay, Jalen Waddle, third, fourth round. If Patrick Mahomes is still there in the fourth round, I'm taking him. Mm. Um, I think he's good value there. And, you know, with Tyreek Hill, I know the question wasn't really related to Tyreek Hill. I would avoid Hill. Um, even I know he's talking up to a, but I think that's more out of pride and the decision that he made of trying to force his way out of Kansas City. He's going to realize how good he had it. Yeah, with Patrick Mahomes, and I'm not trying to down talk Tua. Tua is a good guy, and he's a good. I think he's gonna be a good quarterback, but um, he's not gonna have the same numbers, the same production that he had with Patrick Mahomes. You're going from a generational talent in Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes to a guy that we we don't even know if he's gonna be good at the NFL level yet, 
he's shown flashes, obviously, that he can be that. And Jalen Waddle had a historic rookie season from a uh, target standpoint. And uh, so a guy that, <clears throat> you know, had a lot of value before the Tyreek Hill trade, this guy was uh, wider in the conversation for uh, top 12 wide receiver. I think he still is kind of on the edge of that. You know what I mean? But um, <clears throat> I actually have Deontay Johnson ahead of Jalen Waddle in my rankings. And I think that that is indicative of how I feel about him with Tyreek Hill added to the mix. Like Aiden saying, I just don't think that he, he's not going to get as many targets as he got last year. I don't think that that's going to happen. And I don't think his efficiency goes up either uh, because of, Tyreek Hill's obvious uh I mean Tyreek Hill is as a guy that you know was on a Hall of Fame track in Kansas City as far as numbers go so can he duplicate that in in Miami I don't know about that either but he's definitely going to be two as top options so I think you got to lower your expectations for Waddle going into 2022 and that's not to say if you draft him as your wide receiver too that you should be like really disappointed but that's also not to say don't expect him you're driving him as your wide receiver too don't expect him to sneak into that wide receiver one territory i think that that would be a, a high assumption for him brian haynes uh just to be honest i get aiden blaine and brian haynes mixed up on this app all the time and i don't know why so aiden brian i apologize for doing that but you guys ask great questions here brian asks a question is the first round top so like the top of the first round is what i'm guessing he's saying early or oh i'm sorry is the first round too early that's probably what he's saying too early to pick up Najee. yeah there it is uh not like top three but if i have the 10th pick should i scoop him up or should i wait till the second if he's still there andrew i think we would have a similar answer to this but i want to hear what you have to say is Najee harris worth a first round pick in your fantasy football draft yes any any pick after the fifth pick, I think you can make a case for it for sure. Man, I say any pick after the first pick, <laughs> you can make a case for it. Um, well, d- d- does the fact that the Steelers added Jeremy McNichols and the fact they're looking into another running back, does that scare you at all about his potential volume? Maybe a little, but I think that once you get into the season, here's what here's what happens. Every offseason, yeah. and the Steelers have a I bell know. cow back, they talk about we're going to try to lower his workload because we can't run the or run the tread off this guy too fast. Mm-hmm. We've got to back off a little bit. And then what happens? They get into the season and they realize Najee Harris is the engine that drives this offense and he can't come off the field. And if he does come off the field, that's when they have struggles. And so that's what I see happening again this year. Maybe early on you see Jeremy McNichols make more appearances on third down. And you see uh, Anthony McFarlane, Benny Snell, or whoever come in and spell him a couple times. And then you're like, ooh, maybe maybe his tar- touches and targets are going to drop. And then week three or four, when they realize, man, this guy is really good and he needs to be on the field, he's going to be on the field. So that's how I view this situation. We've seen it. that We've seen the precedent for it. So it's not like I'm just pulling it out of thin air here. Le'Veon Bell, we got to lower his workload. You know, uh, just that type of that type of talk, it, it doesn't work in Pittsburgh. We're, they're not going to lower his workload to a significant degree enough to where he's not going to be a top five value. And I think if you're talking a top five running back, he's worthy of uh, any pick outside of Jonathan Taylor, who I think is the best back in, in football as far as fantasy goes. But um, we had a question from uh, Steve 
Poor, is that how you say it? Yep. Steve Poor. Okay. And uh, Steve asked, should I draft a quarterback in the first round of my Superflex League? Ooh, first round of a Superflex League. Andrew, what do you think? I think if you're picking early, I think that is the way to go. Because if you take one, that's going to set a precedent for the rest of the league. And you're going to see a trickle-down effect. Yeah. I think if you have a pick in the in the top three, let's say of a 10 or 12-team league, I think you have to take – not necessarily have to, but I think – I think it would be wise to take a quarterback because if you do, people are going to panic, especially when you have a super flex. I mean, nobody in their right mind is going to just draft one quarterback and expect that to suffice in a super flex league. A super flex is in some ways it's almost dumb. You might as well just have two QB. I mean, no, everyone is going to start a quarterback yes. pretty much unless they have no other options right. in that flex. So it's a two QB league. And, you know, you, there's only so many guys that are top notch. If you set the precedent, great, you get Josh Allen. If you don't set the precedent, great, you get Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes in rounds one and two. Right. So, <laughs> you know, I, I think I think you do go for in round one, especially if you're picking it early because you have the opportunity yeah. of setting the precedent, allowing the quarterbacks to go. And then when it comes back to you in the second round, you still are getting a guy who has a first-round grade as a running back, and you're right. getting another good position player. Absolutely. I 100% agree with you. I think you've come down to ask this question here. It's a, if you're, if you're planning on starting two quarterbacks in your fantasy league every week, how many quarterbacks are you wanting on your roster? Right. You're not just going to draft two at this point. You know, I like to draft two quarterbacks in a standard league, just so I have a guy waiting in the wings, a guy with some upside potentially that uh, maybe if I hit on him, then I've got, I've got, either a really good trade piece or I've got a guy that can step in and fill in for an underperforming guy that I drafted earlier. But when you're talking super flex and you're, and you're wanting to start two quarterbacks, you're going to need to draft three, maybe even four quarterbacks, depending on what your strategy is. And if you're going to do that, you got to start taking them early, you know, just to kind of go off of the, the logical standpoint, not even more of a tactical standpoint, uh, draft them early. So yeah, if I've got pick one, point one then i've got to really consider taking josh allen or whichever quarterback i like at the top and uh, like you're saying they're gonna go fast if you don't take one early and like if you don't take one with a top one two or three pick then you've got to wait till the back end of your second round to get one of these guys and uh by then they may be picked through already get yourself one of them at least um and like also if you go for Jonathan Taylor, you shouldn't feel bad about that either. He's going to be a vital piece of your team as well. Um, so if you've got a top three pick and you go grab Jonathan Taylor, you haven't failed in your, in your draft, you know? So uh, not to say that, but go after these guys early, man. Absolutely. Thanks Steve for that question. Uh, that is a good question. Uh, I don't plan enough super flex leagues and I'm going to be playing in two this year. And I'm really excited to see how that changes draft strategy it adds value to another position that uh, that really needs it. So um, that brings us to Maddie Peverell's question. Aussie Steeler 91 on Twitter. If you aren't following Matt Peverell, uh, follow him. Aussie Steeler 91. He asks, who is the most overpriced or uh, I guess like highly ranked defensive player in your opinion that doesn't need to be there? right? Who is the most overpriced defensive player in your opinion? Andrew, IDP leagues is what we're talking about here. Individual defensive player. I think uh, we're talking DFS as well as uh, season long type options. So 
who you got, man? Do you got an individual defensive player that you're kind of steering clear of based on where he's being taken in some of these drafts? Let me give you the number one overall pick in the draft, Trayvon Walker. Uh, I think a lot of the reason that he's getting any, he's garnering any interest is the fact that he did go number one overall. And he's showing flashes. He's looking really good in camp. There was a video the other day of him just shoving Walker a little um, back uh, in practice, you know, pretty much straight back into the lap of the quarterback. I mean, he has a chance to be really good, and I'm not denying that. But in the position he plays in Jacksonville's 4-3 unit on the edge, I just don't think he's going to rack up enough tackles um, mm-hmm. and enough tackles for Lawson Sacks in year one to be going as high as he is in some of these IDP leagues. I don't have a ton of experience in IDP leagues. I played in a few, um, but he's not a guy I would be taking. You want to, you want to get as many linebackers as you possibly yes. can in IDP leagues, because that's where the money comes in with those guys that are going to get you 10 to 12 tackles each week. Right. I'm going to go with a guy that has a lot of accolades, a guy that has big time name recognition, two guys actually, but I'm going to start with the guy that's a three, time DPOY defensive player of the year and Aaron Donald. He's been taken in the top 15 of IDP drafts right now. And uh, as a, or as a top 15 um, prospect as an individual defensive player, he's the number one overall defensive tackle. And every year he never lives up to uh, that status uh, in IDP. And uh, so he, it's because of the position he plays, um, but the name recognition and just the value that he brings as a football player, you know, w- we often have to clarify in fantasy football that just because somebody's a very good real life football player doesn't necessarily make them a fantastic fantasy football player. This is the case with Aaron Donald. Another guy that I'm watching this year is Bobby Wagner. He's a top five pick. If you're looking at individual defensive players and he, he showed a little bit of uh, his age last year in Seattle. And I think that that is a, a question mark coming into a season where he's changing systems. He's going to LA to play in uh, or for the Rams. And I, although I do think he does have, gas left in the tank is he going to be a 150 tackle guy again this year i don't know if that's the case and i think that there's some young up-and-coming linebackers that don't have the name recognition of a bobby wagner that are better options uh this year so i would i would say uh those two guys are guys i'm looking at as potentially overpriced idp players in uh 2022 leagues did you have anything else to add Andrew, to any of these questions before we go, we appreciate you guys uh, sending in these questions. We'll do this again uh, in, in another episode coming up. And uh, so we'd love if you're a listener of the show, you can follow myself on Twitter at the bets 93 thebetz 93 and Andrew Wilbar at Andrew underscore Wilbar. That's W I B L B A R. Man, I'm going to mess this up for you, and you're not going to get any followers. W-I-L-B-A-R. And uh, we'll ask uh, mailbag questions every now and then. You can submit your uh, responses to that and get highlighted on the show. Andrew, it was a fun show today. I'm excited for the remainder of training camp. I'm excited for fantasy football drafts coming up. As we approach the end of the preseason, that's when a lot of uh, the drafting ramps up. Uh, Give us an update, though, on the BTSC leagues that we're doing, when those drafts are looking uh, to be coming up, or, uh, you know, what's the next step in those cases before we go? 
Well, I'll leave that the one league up to you. Um, for the other one, I my schedule has been so busy. So for those of you in the league, you're gonna have to forgive me for some of this. Um, but we're looking at probably the week of the 14th, sometime the week of the 14th. That's the week up before I go back to college. I should be able to find some time. Um, we're looking at either that Tuesday. So we're looking at either the 16th or the 18th. So one of those two days are probably the most likely days for me. Um, I'll get more information out to those of you in my league. And if we have any extra openings left by this time next week, we will fill them next week, I guess. Sounds great, man. We're excited to get rolling on it. We hope you, the listener, have a fantastic remainder of your week. Enjoy your Tuesday afternoon. We'll see you again next time on the Steelers Fix. Steelers Fix.